ان الحمد لله والصلاه والسلام على اشرف الانبياء محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه واله وسلم ومن ورا بعد my brothers and sisters i'm recording this standing under these uh, the two hands which are raised in dua in this uh, masjid and uh, you can see the picture of that very beautiful uh, architecture and uh, this is just before salat al fajr uh, last night we saw with the telescope we could see saturn and mars from here ajib the qudrat of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalalu we have a moon which is uh, almost now 3 quarters or more of it is gone is indicating that we got another maximum less than a week before this month will be gone from us there are uh, a whole lot of young boys who are screaming their guts out and running around at 3 o'clock in the morning this is uh, the middle east for you the arab world and in the distance i can see i will send you that photograph also which is uh, blue colored uh, light poles electric light poles and um, also street lights which look like balloons and uh, this whole education city is uh, is unique in, it, in its architecture in its landscaping and the city planning uh, each building stands out uh, in its own way and this masjid i think uh, tops the list uh, it's it's a building which is on five pillars uh, indicating the five pillars of islam it has um streams flowing under it um representing the streams of jannah it has uh, on each of the pillars it has ayat of the quran referring to that pillar or referring to that pillar of islam and then the facade of the building has uh, the inner facade which is uh, the courtyard um the prayer hall on one side and our itikaf quarters on the other side and the open courtyard in the middle which has the ayat of surah al-hujurat uh, written on the on the face of it and you will see a picture of that also inside the building is around 15 degrees celsius outside the building is 50 degrees celsius so you have uh, the experience of uh, transcontinental travel just by stepping out of the door i have no idea why in the middle east they have this tendency to keep uh, buildings freezing cold uh, when i'm inside the building i actually have to wear a jacket and uh, and a hotra and so on and uh, as soon as i step out of the building i'm into 50 degrees heat and yet one more day has gone past in our itikaf my uh, purpose here and this is addressed specially to the brothers in itikaf is to my purpose is to reflect on and think about and take lessons in terms of decision making yesterday a young somali brother came to me after my halaqa and he told me that uh, he said he lived in america for a week for a year uh, and then now he's here in qatar uh, studying at the university here at uh, at uh, northwestern and he says to me um, when i have two options 
uh, one which is the deen and the other one which is the dunya, how do I choose between the two? And he's not talking about anything haram, he's talking about halal things. But he says, I've got the deen on one side and I've got the dunya on the other side. And how do I choose between the two? So I told him, I, I said, uh, I can only advise you what I do. And I said, what I do is that when I have these two options, the dunya on one side and the deen on the other side, I ask myself a very simple question that if I choose option one and die, and I choose option two and die, which will be better for me? So if I had the deen on one side and the dunya on the other side, so I had, say for example, doing ethikaf on one side, and then all those urgent things that seem to suddenly come up at the time of ethikaf, uh, thanks to which some of us at sometimes uh, we say, well, you know, this year I can't do ethikaf because I've got all these urgent things. So I've got this ethikaf on one side and I've got the urgent things on the other side. Which one will I choose? And the way to think about that is if I choose the ethikaf and after that I die, what will be my state? And if I leave the ethikaf and choose the so-called urgent things and then I die after that, then what will be, what will be my state? Um, many of you have heard this story of mine, which I have mentioned before, of this lady who had this habit of uh, praying the salah as soon as the time comes in. And she had a, she, her house was near a masjid, so she could hear the adhan. As soon as she heard the adhan, she would pray. Now, one day her husband phoned her and said, uh, asked her to make uh, grape leaves, uh, you know, the Palestinian and uh, Lebanese uh, delicacy, which is made of grape leaves, which are rolled up around uh, mincemeat and various things. So he phoned her and requested her to make that for dinner. And she started making that. It's a laborious and long time consuming process. As she was halfway through that, uh, she heard the Asar Adhan go on. So she thought to herself, well, um, Adhan has just, gone on, has just gone off, but there is plenty of time for the Salah. And I've, I've started this process um, halfway through it, so why don't I finish this and then I will do Salah. So this was one, one choice before her. And then she thought to herself, I have this good habit of praying on time. Uh, as soon as the time comes in. Now, why spoil that habit? Uh, instead of that, you know, waiting for to make these grape leaves, leave this, go pray and come back and finish it. So she went to finish her salah. She did not do the grape leaves. Her husband came home and uh, knocked on the door. Nobody answered the door. So he used his key. He walked into the house. Um, no sound from the house. Uh, he walked into the kitchen and he saw the grape leaves half done, half uh, undone. And he said to himself, where has she gone? I mean, where did she leave this and go? Uh, what was more important? And then he goes into the bedroom and he finds his wife is on the musalla in sujood and she has passed away. So the question is that if she had made choice one, which is to complete the grape leaves, she would have died in the kitchen. She, choose the, she chose the second choice, which was to finish Salah first, and she died on the Musalla in, in Sujud. The reason I'm saying this is, and this is not a, uh, don't ask me a fatwa for this story, Alhamdulillah, Inshallah, it's a true story. But um, the Azan is just going off, so I want to finish. Simply ask yourself this question. Those of you who are in Ertikaf this year, but who were not in Ertikaf last year, think about all the urgent things 
which kept you away from Aitaka of last year and ask yourself today, were they really urgent? And did staying away from Aitakaf help you in any way? And then thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He did not take your life and that He gave you the opportunity to make Aitakaf this year. And those of you who have not done Aitakaf this year, because you can allow shaitan to convince you that something else was more urgent, go and make tawa to yourself and tawa to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and make istighfar because May Allah preserve you for next year. But if this was your last Ramadan, you had the opportunity to make Aitakaf and you lost it. Remember, it's not a matter of a sin because you might say, Shaitan will come to you and give you a fatwa to say that Aitakaf is, after all, only a nafil and Yavar Beg is making it sound so important. It's not a question of that. It's a question of the reward that you could have got which you chose to lose. That is the point. And that brings you back to the question to say, how much do you really believe in Allah? And how much do you really believe in the promises of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? You want to leave the company of Allah in the house of Allah to attend to urgent things, all of which will happen only if Allah wills them. If Allah does not will them to happen, you can hang yourself upside down, nothing will happen. Yet, shaitan convinces you, that you need to leave the company of Allah and leave the company and the and the and, the, and leave the house of Allah in order to attend to the to those so-called urgent things. Ask yourself how logical is that. Ask yourself that if you have allowed Shaitan to convince you, ask yourself what does that say about your own iman and about your own yaqeen in the promises of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Let me refresh your uh, mind for those of you who need to be reminded about the the fadail of etikaf. Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala treats the people who are in Itikaf as his personal guests because you are in the house of Allah. Every action of yours including sleep is ibadah. You are the guest of Allah therefore it is your right on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he should accept your dua. It is a matter of haqq and it's a matter of the generosity of my Rabb Jalla Jalla that he must accept your dua because you are his guest and you are in his house. You are the representative of your community and you have therefore that status of being an ambassador for your people before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala digs trenches between you and Jahannam to keep you separate from Jahannam for the because you did etikaf. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and all of this is for the etikaf alone. In addition to that, all your tilawat of Quran, all your zikr, all your tarawis, all your khayam, your fasting, whatever charity you might give while you are in a state of etikaf, all of this is not only extra good deeds for you, but they are rewarded multiple times, 70 or more and more. My brothers and sisters, compare this with whatever it is that you left Ethika for and tell me which was more valuable for you. And those of you and many of us, that's the whole thing. We believe that there are these urgent things that you need to do. Ask yourself, if you believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and that is the, the key word is if, if you believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and if you believe that whatever happens, happens only by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not otherwise. 
how could you imagine that you could do things on your own and leave Allah out of the equation instead of coming into Atakaf, especially if there were urgent things. If there were no urgent things and you did not come into Atakaf, one could say you are still stupid, but you are not that stupid. But if you had urgent things and you, le and you did not come into Atakaf, then one has to really question and say, do I really have Iman? Because if I really have urgent things to do and only Allah can do it for me, then the first thing to do is to go into the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and ask Him and beg Him and plead with Him to get those things done. So then by the time you come out and long before that time, those things are all done. Now tell me either this is right or what choices that shaitan gives us and we believe in shaitan. Those are right. Now think about that. And this is happening when shaitan, the shaitan are chained. So it's only your personal shaitan you know, who, who is deceiving you. What happens the rest of the year? When, when it's not only that personal shaitan, but it's all his friends and cousins who are also there to deceive us. My brothers and sisters, please stop allowing the shaitan to destroy our good deeds. As I keep saying over and over again, we do not know which Ramadan is our last Ramadan, but we know that one of them will be our last Ramadan. So seriously make this an absolutely unchangeable niyat that you will never miss the sunnah etikaf which is the full 10 days or 9 days as the case might be no matter what you will never miss it no matter what especially if there are urgent things because that is the place to get those urgent things solved is in etikaf so therefore you are never going to miss etikaf if there are no urgent things then you will do etikaf to thank Allah and if there are urgent things, then you will do etikaf to ask for the help of Allah. This, make this a completely unchangeable niyyah for yourself. Just ask yourself one question, that if you cannot free 10 days out of 365 days, what does that say about your time management? What kind of, what kind of, uh, you know, professional person do you consider yourself to be if you cannot even free yourself for those 10 days? And remember, many of you or most of you take holidays which are much longer than this. And you don't take that once, you take that multiple times a year. For that time, you don't worry about urgent things, right? But when it comes to the spending the time in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to try to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then remember, that time the shaitan comes and tells you that your urgent things are more important. Who is this Allah? It is the same Allah who you are going to need in your qabr in your grave. It is the same Allah who you are going to need on the day of judgment. It is the same Allah before whom you and I will be standing on the day of judgment. And it is the same Allah who you and I will need not once but multiple times before that day of judgment. My brothers and sisters, please, time to wake up. High time to wake up. Let us wake up and let us do that which we know we should do. And which is, do not ignore the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and do not bring your own so-called needs as the excuse for ignoring the rights of Allah. It is the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He should be worshipped. That is the reason, the illat, the cause for our creation is ibadah. And when it therefore comes to a question of ibadah versus anything else, then the ibadah must take precedence always takes precedence. 
I make duas, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should give us the sense to understand the choices we make and to make the right choices.